Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Welcome to the Tax Wrap Podcast. This is episode 234. I'm your host, Steve Burnham. Now, um, with this, this episode, we've gone back to um, our old friend, Kirk Wilson. Kirk's um, one of the tax technical team for Tax and Super Australia. He takes many of your members' helpline calls and is something of a CGT whiz. And uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, debt forgiveness and the CGT consequences and other consequences of forgiving a debt. Hi, Kirk. Thanks for joining the Tax Wrap podcast. Um, now, I believe you're going to tell us all about uh, CGT in relation to forgiving a debt. Uh, now, tell me all about it. I, I know that there's creditors and debtors. Can we start maybe with explaining what the creditor's position is? Yeah, okay, Steve. Look, it's, it's an area that can, can cause confusion and there's a few small traps for new players and something to always to remind yourself of. But the yep. key thing from the creditor's point of view is that when the creditor forgives a loan or a debt that's owed to them, then um, CGT event C2 happens, which is the end of an intangible happen, uh, an intangible asset. Right. Now, and this is because the creditor owns a CGT asset, namely the right to repayment of the debt owed to them. And, can, can and can the I, forgiveness of it, yeah. and the forgiveness of it results in the debt coming to an end or being released or discharged in accordance yeah. with the language of CGT event C2. I'm, I'm, I may have the wrong end of the concept here, but I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm just wondering why a debt owed to a person is a CGT asset. It's, it's cash. I mean, it's not cash, but it's, it's money. How can, how can well, that be an asset? Well, the bottom line is it's because it's defined in Section 1085 to, to include a, a debt. And essentially, a debt is a legal right. You know, right. if somebody, you know, a, a commercial loan, the creditor, the lender, has a commercial right to repayment of the debt. And from both a legal and accounting point of view, that's an that's an asset in the lender's hands or in the okay. creditor's hands. So yep. that's why. And and the, the CGT legislation 105.8 in section 108.5 makes it clear that a debt is a CGT asset for, is an asset for CGT purposes. So right. yeah. there you go. And to tie it back to, to the basic principle, you have no CGT consequences for any transaction unless a CGT event happens and right. it happens in relation to a CGT asset. And yeah. that's what you've got happening here. Right, okay. So tell me, are there any circumstances, say, where the cost base of a debt will be something other than its face value? I can't imagine it, but... Well, well, well before I get to that, the, yep. the key point to recognise is that um, a capital gain or a loss will arise to the creditor when the CGT event happens, and that will right. depend on the cost base of the debt in the creditor's hands, right. which will prime face be its face value. I'll lend you 100 bucks, yep. then... The cost base to me is hundred dollars, right. and it'll also be measured by the capital proceeds I receive or entitled to receive either from you or from another source, because sometimes a third party pays off your debt for for the forgiveness of the debt. Now you right. ask the question: Are there circumstances in which the cost base of the debt in the creditor's hands will be less than its face value? Well, there is a, an odd one. I never thought I, I ne- I'd never thought there was one, and I I, I stumbled across it a, a while ago, but. Okay. When, when, we, when we look at the debtor's position, I'll explain this example. Yep. Now, look, let me get to the crux where this, the forgiveness of a debt for CGT purposes can cause trouble. And that is where 
the debt is forgiven for no consideration or no capital proceeds are received, which is often the case, you know, whether on a commercial or private basis, right. where, where, where the person forgives the debt and says, well, you don't have to pay me anything. Well, as with all the basic CGT principles and rules here, where somebody doesn't receive capital proceeds or the amount they receive is, is less or more than the value of the uh, CGT asset in question, market value capital proceeds are imposed. Now, this means that to the extent that the debt is capable of being repaid by the debtor, right. and even if the creditor forgives it for nothing, the CGT position of the creditor will be calculated by reference to the market value of the debt at the time it is forgiven, and it's cost-based in the creditor's hands. Okay. So again, if, if, if I forgive a debt that, um, that you owe me, right. and you're capable of, and, and I've lent you a hundred bucks and it's in a commercial setting, say, well, yep. I don't immediately have a capital loss of a hundred dollars because it will, because I've received no consideration, I've got to work out what the market value of that debt is. And if you're capable of repaying it, technically speaking, it has a market value. There's a sort of rule of thumb that I use when I chat about this to yep. uh, help line, to members and stuff is that, well, how much would I be prepared to pay to the creditor for the debt to be assigned to me so that I can chase up the debtor. Now, if, if there's some value in it, well, then oh, it yeah. has a market value proceeds and, um, yep. and and you've got to impose them. And the law says you must impose that. It's 116.30. Now, look, there's lots of scenarios when, where this can arise, but right. probably a, a, a simple one is where, you know, a family company and there's a shareholder or a controller and they lend money to the family company. It's oh, not yeah, the other yeah. way around. No, no. Yeah, not the company lending money to the shareholder, but the, the shareholder way. lending, yeah, yep, yeah, to okay. help finance it to get it off the ground. Yep. And then once the company starts getting going well and the, the, the shareholder or controller is starting to get paid dividends, he forgives the debt. Now, he might have lent them 100000 bucks. Has he got a capital loss for $100,000? He forgives it for nothing. Has he got a loss for $100,000? Well, that will depend on the company's capacity to repay the debt. Oh, now, right. assuming the company's going well and has the capacity to repay it, well, the market value proceeds will be imposed. And if, if the market value of that debt is hundred grand, then there's no capital loss to the shareholder who's, who's lent the money and forgiven the debt. So yep. it's just a very important point to remember. Right. Okay. Let me also explain that yep. uh, market value proceeds, capital proceeds are imposed in a, not just when nil consideration is received or nil capital proceeds are received, but it's also imposed where uh, capital proceeds are received, which are more or less than the value of the asset in question. Right. Or where the parties are not dealing at arm's length. Now, dealing at arm's length doesn't necessarily mean, it just doesn't mean you're related. It means that the actual commercial nature of the dealing with, with the parties is not done on a proper commercial basis for a whole range of reasons. You know, yeah, there yeah. might be other things going on. So again, it's just the situation where market value will be imposed. Right, right. I'm, I'll just, I'm probably, again, might have the wrong end of the concept, as, as I've said before. Why can't a creditor argue that because the debt's forgiven, it, it, it therefore has no market value. It's forgiven, well, nothing there. It's no? a, it's a very good question. And, uh, my, my recollection from doing capital gains tax for quite a while is um, quite a few taxpayers tried to argue that. And the law was amended to specifically make it clear that in, in, it's in section 116, 133, uh, 116.30 in brackets 3A, it right. says that... Um, you can't argue this. It, it says the value <laughs> of the debt is to be determined just before it is forgiven as if it were not to be 
forgiven. So yep. you can't argue that causes to be forgiven, it has no value. Yeah, and okay. therefore, yeah, you come back to the main rule world, you impose market value if you're forgiven it for nil consideration or for nil capital proceeds or the parties are not dealing at arm's length. Right. Now, right. there's a really, here, here's a trap for small players and, it, and it's one that might arise quite often in, the, in most circumstances or in a lot of circumstances, but certainly yep. in the current environment, the classical scenario, yep. a parent makes an interest-free loan to a child oh, yeah. to say help them get to help them get into the mar- help them get into the housing market and then what happens is the parent later on the child's traveling well the parents traveling well the parent will just forgive the debt and they they may argue well I've got a capital loss here and they forgive oh, it yeah. because oh not not the child's traveling well but say the child's not traveling well and can't repay it so oh, the parents course. going okay and say well I'll forgive it and so you've got the situation, well, then you impose market value capital proceeds. The child can't pay it back. So technically speaking, the parent's got a capital loss. But the problem is, and it's a very important point, in this case, this type of debt is a special category of CGT asset called a personal use asset. And that's one that's essentially where it's for the personal use or enjoyment of the taxpayer. It's defined in Section 10820 right. and where it's not used or granted for the purposes of generating accessible income or in carrying on a business. Now oh. that, that's the classical that's the classical scenario where me as a parent yep. makes an interest-free loan to a child for the purposes of buying themselves a car or a, trying to get into the housing market yeah, or yep. an overseas trip, and then I for, I forgive it in circumstances where they've run into financial difficulties. Are there any I other? Yeah, sorry, I was, was going to say, are there any other examples of personal use assets? I'm tr- just trying to get my mind around that. Ah, uh, look. Um, there, there are there are a lot of personal use assets. Right. You know, the, the the essence is that, you know, the, the ordinary domestic household goods are, are personal use assets. But for these purposes, the key point is a debt in this type of scenario, where it's not being used for the purposes of gaining or producing accessible income, right, or right. in carrying on a business. So typically, that non-interest bearing loan by a parent to a child is an yep. is a personal use asset, and the rules that apply to personal use assets for CGT purposes is they can never generate a capital loss. You know, they right, don't right. generate capital losses. The best they can do is generate a capital gain if there's certain thresholds are met. Yeah, so yeah. again, let me reiterate, parent rightly or wrongly, foolishly or smartly, <laughs> compassionately or stupidly, <laughs> lends all, all, their, the above. Lends, all the above, lends a, 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 a child um, some money and then forgives it because um, they can't repay it. Well, yep. they can't claim a capital loss in those circumstances. No, because no. it's this special category of asset called a personal use asset. Uh, are those principles? Go on. Are those principles carried over into other areas of taxation law? Well, there there is one, and I won't go into detail because it's a bit it's a bit messy and it's a bit complex from a legal point of view. Right. And um, sort of you know um. I remember being in the tax office back in the the uh, early '90s when this issue arose, and there was right. no official tax office position. But it's called um, the principles of subrogation, and that's classically where a guarantor, where where somebody goes to the bank and and um, somebody else guarantees the loan. Right. You know, okay. Uh, yep. A parent guarantees a loan made to a son. A director guarantees a loan made to a company, and if the debtor, the son, the company gets into trouble, then the guarantor is called on to pay that debt. You know, they step oh, into the shoes of yep. the debtor and they pay the debt under that contractual arrangement. 
Yep. So, but this the second part of this is under the under the principles under this principle of subrogation, that guarantor then steps into the shoes of the creditor and in effect gets the same rights against the debtor as the original creditor okay. and therefore can also forgive the debt that is now owed to them by the debtor as the guarantor. And where this happens, and presumably, you know, because they've been caught on to guarantee the loan, presumably yep. they're going to forgive it for nothing because the debtor can't pay it back. And you've got the same principles applying to the guarantor in this situation. Okay, yeah, they can yeah. generate a capital loss. Loss now, but look, let me let me make a very important proviso here. If you're in this type of scenario, yep, you must have a look at taxation ruling 9623. It's quite comprehensive. Right. It looks at it all from the debtors and creditors' point of view, and it explains things in detail. Albert explains it in terms of the old 1936 Act provisions, but ah, right. yep. it's 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 a must to look at if you find yourself as a guarantor stepping in to pay the debts of, of, of somebody you've guaranteed of the guarantee yep, yep, yep. and, um, and then you find yourself forgiving the loan. Can, so you, can, can you repeat the, the number of that ruling? Kirk? Taxation ruling TR 96 slash 23. Okay. Excellent. All right. Good. Oh, look, that's, that's a pretty comprehensive look at the creditor's position. Can we go and turn the plate around and look at the debtor's position? And there seems to be rules and principles that apply. Maybe can you go over some of the rationale as to why the rules apply? Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Well, well, well look, um, when, a, when a debt's forgiven, from the debtor's point of view, don't forget they don't own an asset here. They're, they're, hmm. they're not having a, a, an asset extinguished or anything. And, but what, what they're having extinguished is an obligation, or extinguished is probably too strong a word. Uh, they're having an obligation being released or forgiven. Right, right. Now, it, so there's a bit of an adjustment made from a sort of a tax point of view in, in, in their situation. There's no immediate gain for them arising from it because there's no, they don't hold an asset. They've just been released from an obligation either fully or partly. Right. Now, where, where that happens, the rules in Division 245 of the 1997 Act kick in yep. to provide that a range of things happen. And by the way, my recollection is these rules were sort of introduced um, a bit later on in the scheme of things when they realised, well, heavens, the debtors get in a bit of a benefit here and there's no sort of tax consequences oh, from yeah, it. So, yeah. yeah. And so essentially what happens, and if you have this type of situation, you go through Division 245 closely, where the, the debtors' repayment obligations are forgiven, waived, released or extinguished, or however you want to call it, you know, mm -hmm. the type of things that will trigger CGT events C2, yep. the amount forgiven is deducted from certain of the debtors' current and future tax deductions or what we call tax assets. Ah, okay. so you've got some tax, um, future tax deductions sitting on your books or future capital allowance write-offs. Yep, yep. These are essentially tax assets. And, and, and what happens is the amount forgiven then will have an impact on these. And in effect, they will reduce them. And they will reduce them in a certain order depending on the amount forgiven. And I'll come to that in a moment. Okay. But... Um, the, the other key points to remember in relation to these rules, they only apply to a debt if it is a commercial debt as defined under Division 245. Oh, okay. And essentially yep. commercial debt is one where there's interest or an amount in the, in the nature of interest is, is payable on the debt yep. or from, from the debtor's point of view, it would be deductible to the debtor. You know, if the loan was used by the debtor to produce accessible income. Yeah, yeah. These yeah. rules aren't going to apply, Steve, to that 
to you the know, parent, parent the, child. Yeah, yeah, parent okay. child loan. Yeah, right. the interest free loan. They also do not apply in a couple of other situations where the forgiveness of the debt amounts to a fringe benefit. You know, uh, an employer oh, okay. might, might might forgive a, a debt that an employee owes, uh, yeah, yep. which has been you know where they've lent the money for whatever purposes. Yep, yep. Um, it doesn't apply if the forgiveness results from an act relating to the bankruptcy under the bankruptcy rules. Okay, yep, yep. Nor will it, you know, nor will it generally apply where the forgiveness uh, arises where the creditor. Uh, forgives the debtor under their will, you know, but you're not going to trigger these type of rules there. Okay. Yep. And there's another case where it doesn't arise and it's an old English term. It's where a debt is forgiven for reasons of natural love and affection. Oh, okay. Now I won't go into what exactly that means and the limits at the ATO places on it, but if you get right. that type of scenario, I'd want to try and argue that. Well, probably better have a look at um, some private binding rulings where the circumstances where the ATO has uh, said, no, 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 this debt is not being, or this debt uh, okay. is not being given for natural love and affection. There's something else going on. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's born out of, you know, 17th century, 18th century English. Um, yeah, it sounds law. like it, natural love and affection. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, um, that's right. You can imagine yeah. that'd be tried on a, f- a fair bit, but who knows? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, look, I haven't come across too many cases, but it has been tried on and there yeah. are legitimate, but there are legitimate cases. Although in the modern world, you, you sometimes wonder what natural love and affection is. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, there's various, various and many. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, yeah. Now, okay. look, now, but the key rule is, from the debtor's point of view, where, um, a, 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 sorry, I've got to retract something I said there. Sorry, I don't come across as a cynic, you know. Yeah, yeah. There is, there is wonderful natural love and affection in the modern world. It's just sometimes not portrayed that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, there's my bit of philosophy for the Okay, day. nice. Nice to have it. <laughs> <laughs> now, he, 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 he's the, here's the key fundamental rules. Right. Where a debtor has had a debt forgiven and it is a commercial debt, then the net forgiven amount, and I'll discuss that briefly in a moment, right. of, the, of the debt that is forgiven yep. reduces the following amounts in the following order. You've okay. got to produce, reduce it by, you've got to reduce prior year revenue losses if you've got any by oh, that yeah. amount. Now, okay. If you don't have any prior year revenue losses or you absorb all the net forgiven amount, Yep. Then you go into prior year net capital losses. Right. And if the same happens then, then you go to the undeducted balances of other deductible expenditure that is carried forward, you know, like depreciable right. assets. You, oh, you oh, might okay. Have, yeah. Okay. Yep. You might have some deductions sitting there on that are that, that are going to be realized by way of um so you still balance have, and adjustment. Yeah, you still have a rip off the, yeah. the cost of the tractor or whatever, so you do that correct. next year. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. Correct, correct. Now, that, the final one is the cost base of other assets that the debtor might hold. Right. For example, the debtor himself or herself or itself might have lent money to somebody else. And oh. so they have an asset sitting on their book called a debt. And the cost base of that is reduced, which bring me, brings me back to my original, the other sort of trite little point I made at the beginning. There are circumstances in which the cost base of a debt may be something other than its face value. And it's where these commercial debt forgiveness rules may impact on and require you to reduce the cost base of a debt that the, um, oh, of course. that the debtor owns. Yes, so, yes, you know, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So it's starting to make sense now. So it's gelling. So the net forgiven amount may have influenced the cost base. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly okay. right. Exactly ah. right. You've exhausted, you've exhausted all the other items or they don't exist. <laughs> yeah. And, and me as the debtor has a, a, a I've lent 10 grand, in the course of my business to somebody and um, 
and that's an asset to me, but now I've got to, re and that's its face value, is a, that's its cost base, but I might now have to re be required to reduce that cost base by the forgiven amount, say right, a few right. thousand bucks. So yep, yep. there you go. But probably it's bigger figures in the real commercial world. So, you know. Oh, so, of course, yeah, yeah. Would yeah. Be. Oh. I, I suppose I, I'm making too big a point of that, Steve, because I always wondered how you could ever have a, um, a the cost base of a debt being something that, other than its face value. Face value. And, um, but, but the, hey, yeah. Presto, it can be. There yeah. it is. Yeah. Which ironically is tied up to the commercial to, to rules that apply to um, the forgiveness of a debt anyhow, yeah. so, which is a bit ironical. <laughs> oh, now, that, since you've been talking, I've just wondered, I mean, is it, is it possible that a creditor can get a tax deduction for a debt that it forgives? Yeah, now, possible? look, so, 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 so that takes us to the issue. Now we're outside the CGT regime and we're looking oh, at, fine. well, okay, yeah, no, no, that's fine. Look, well, yeah. and I'll just make a, a few brief points. Um, sure. But um, the, the, the first one is that, Section 2535 provides that a creditor can be allowed a tax deduction for a loan or, or what they call a bad debt it forgives, provided yep. it was included in, an, in, in the creditor's assessable income for an earlier year of income of the creditor, oh. or if it's respect of money lent in the ordinary course of the business of lending money. In other words, they've already brought this amount into account as accessible income, right. and they're never going to have it paid. Now, there are lots of rules and issues about, well, how do you make the judgment that it's bad and it's not recoverable, and therefore yeah, yeah. you can write it off and claim a tax deduction for it. I won't go into those, but it's just something to remember. Yep. Now, don't forget those entities that are in the business of making loans, oh, banks, other yeah. institutions. Yep. Writing off, writing off debts would be an ordinary incident of carrying on their business, and so right. they'd be entitled to a deduction for it. Okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Well, that's a tax consequence for the creditor. Are there any tax consequences for a debtor when a debt's forgiven? Well, look, now, there's a, there's a very important matter to, um, to, to keep you, to, to be aware of. Right. And it's the classical Division 7A type of scenario oh, yes, where yes. the creditor is a private company that has made a loan to a shareholder or an associate yep. and forgives that debt. Oh, yeah. Then, according to Section Subdivision 109F of the 1936 Act, yep. provides that there are Div 7A dividend, a Div 7A dividend arises in these circumstances. Right. Yep. So the private company has made a loan to a shareholder or an associate and forgives that debt. Well, subdivision 109F, and then classically, if you've got this type of scenario, yep. will trigger a Div 7A dividend in these circumstances. Yes. However, there are some important exceptions to this, and they're found in section subdivision 109G. And the reason I stress these um, sections, yep. because if you have this scenario, dare I say there's nothing better than actually pulling up the legislation from whatever source, even Googling it and yep. reading it. Course, believe it or not, it is readable. It's the horse's mouth, and <laughs> it and it allows you to to tick and flick and check things. Yeah. So yeah. look, so the exceptions are where the debt is owed by another company and it's forgiven, provided the company is not in acting in the capacity of a trustee. And it all Div Seven A also won't be triggered where the debt is forgiven, where the debt has become bankrupt under bankruptcy proceedings. Right. Right. Um. And probably the other key one is where, gee, guess what? There are some cases where a company lends money to a shareholder or an associate 
and the shareholder or associate generally can't repay it. They've, they've yeah. got into real strife. That could happen so even maybe more so these days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so in those bona fide situations where the reason for the forgiveness was that the payment would have caused un- the entered, you know, the um, debtor undue hardship. Oh, and, yeah. yep. and when the loan was made, the debtor had the capacity to repay the loan, but has now lost that ability oh, yeah, okay. and, yeah. will, and will lose it into the foreseeable uh, future. Yeah. Then you won't trigger Div 7A in those circumstances. Right. But look, okay. by rounding off, let's, uh, it, it, I, I didn't want to get too heavily into Div 7A or the income tax consequences of the forgiveness of a debt. Yeah, you could go down that rabbit hole forever, 7, but anyway. Yeah, no, uh, yes. <laughs> but the key thing is to have a look at the relevant provisions if for Div 7A and, and their yep. subdivision 109F for the circumstances where the forgiveness of a debt will give will give rise to Div 7A consequences yep. and section subdivision 1099G yep. for the exceptions. Right. Now, let me round this off. Yep. Of course, it's always important to round off a little thing. That's right. Round off a little talk <laughs> by just um, bringing us back to the key CGT thing. Yes. And the key yep. CGT thing is where a creditor who is owed money by a debtor forgives that debt, you've got CGT consequences. Because that is an asset in the creditor's hands, yep. and CGT event C two happens on the forgiveness or waiving or otherwise release of that debt. Yep. Whether you've got capital gain or capital loss will depend on what you receive for the forgiveness or what what is the real value of that debt if nothing is received. So, yes. yep. and and the importance of impro- imposing market value capital proceeds where. The, the debt is forgiven for nil consideration. Right. And right. Um, okay. and we're back to fundamental CGT principles there. Yeah, before so the there's a, stuff comes the, in. Okay. And so there's a few little traps to remember there, but, yep. um, but, but you know, it, 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 it's not as um, obscure and obtuse as you might think. It, not when you it, get into it, it, no. No, no. But, and the other final thing, of course, we both know, Steve, in the current environment, uh, but maybe there's a lot bit more of this will go on, you know, given the stresses on the economy in the last 12 months or so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's right. Mm. Well, it'll all come out in the wash, but uh, at least we know that forgiving a debt, look out for CGT, it can happen. And then there's all the cost space and all the other considerations that we've just been through. All right, that's brilliant, yep. Kirk. Um, that's, uh, uh, and, and, like, again, uh, and again, I, I stressed, um, you know, the, that the parent to the child interest-free loan, yeah, uh, yeah, always be wary of the fact that it, that um, uh, unless that loan is made on an interest basis or in the course of carrying on a business, yeah, the forgiveness of of, of that debt won't um, generate a capital loss to the parent who makes it. You know, yeah, so, yeah. Yes. So there's yeah issues there. No, if they're doing the right thing, that's all good. All right, Kirk, thanks very much for your time. Um, I think listeners would have got a lot out of this uh, podcast today. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks again. No problem, Steve. If nothing else, we've, we've pointed them to issues they should be aware of and yep. point, hopefully pointed them to relevant provisions to have a look at if they've got these type of, and, and tax rulings, if they've got these type of issues before them. Fantastic. All right. <laughs>